Welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 47 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Uh, as we record this, it is Monday morning, and the NBA Finals now tied at one game apiece, courtesy of a 107-88 blowout by the Golden State Warriors over the Boston Celtics. So the NBA Finals now tied at one game apiece, game number three coming up on Wednesday night. We'll touch on the incident with Draymond Green and whether or not he should have been ejected and also the commentary of former NBA referee Steve Javi, who is acting as an officiating consultant for ABC ESPN. He made some comments that uh, I know uh, piqued some interest about uh, how that particular situation was adjudicated, so we'll touch on that. Also, the big news coming out of Sunday is that Quinn Snyder is now the former head coach of the Utah Jazz after eight seasons in Salt Lake City. Not totally unexpected, but uh, still, when you are the second winningest coach in franchise history, you think that you're going to be around for a while. But uh, Quinn Snyder, not sure that he's looking for another job right now, but he is stepping away from the Utah Jazz. Then we'll welcome back our friend of the program, Andy Schiffman. Uh, we have uh, now gone past the uh, NBA Combine, getting ready for the NBA Draft later this month. Andy Schiffman is an agent with Priority Sports based out of Chicago. He's a Memphis guy and a good friend and does represent several uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So we'll talk to him about the whole agency process and what's going on with uh, guys that are going into the draft as they will start uh, their workouts for various teams. So we will touch on all that today. Before that, we tell you that, of course, today, we're being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. And boy, do we, we appreciate their continued support. They have been with us since day one. And since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. They've helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. Now, if you'd like more information, go to their website. They have got a ton of information and a lot of stuff going on right now. I'm going to the website right now, and I will tell you, that coming up on this Thursday, they'll be they, they will be doing placements for first to eighth grade boys for the Jack Jones Summer League. So if you want more information uh, on how to get your uh, young boy placed uh, in the Jack Jones Summer League, go to the website hoopcitybc.com. And uh, again, those placements will take place on Thursday, June 9th. So go to the website for all the information. If you have a full team, they're also uh, registering full teams for the Jack Jones Summer League. Go to the website, follow them on Twitter, and uh, get your young fellow involved in a really great sports and character building club, Hoop City Basketball Club. They are not only a great basketball organization, but they have been a friend of the Grizz Weekly Grind since day one, and we do appreciate that. And with that, back to the show. Um, one bit of housekeeping before we get into the meat of today's program, and uh, that is I will be, uh, I'll be taking some time off from the Grizz Weekly Grind and uh, from, from daily life in Memphis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out and uh, do what I like to do during the offseason, and that is do some travel. And uh, starting uh, the first of several trips this summer, to uh, Chicago and Wisconsin, the old stomping grounds, go to see some familiar environs and uh, some new experiences as well. Really looking forward to that. So I'm going to be gone for about the next week or so, 
But uh, we'll be back later this month, obviously, to talk about the NBA draft and the wrap-up of the NBA Finals. So uh, this uh, this space will go dark for, uh, for about a week, but, uh, of course, I will be back. So with that, let's uh, let's get into uh, game one of uh, game two rather uh, of the NBA Finals. The series is tied at one. Golden State a 107-88 victory over the Boston Celtics. Uh, Celtics stayed close in the first half primarily because of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, this is their duo, but if Boston is to pull this series out, they will have to get better production from their role players. Didn't get a whole lot from Al Horford, Derek White. Uh, had his moments, uh, but a pretty substantial minus in the plus-minus category. And unlike Game 1, where a lot of different guys stepped up for Boston, did not happen in Game 2, whereas the Warriors uh, got better contributions across the board. Clay Thompson continues to struggle, certainly not playing to his typical standard, but you got Jordan Poole, finally getting himself right, and I think playing some some much better basketball. Uh, Golden State, another fantastic third quarter. Boston had no answer in the fourth. Both these teams have the ability to really lay a flurry on you offensively, and they also have the ability to blanket you defensively. And that's why I think this, see, this series is going to be a, a longer series. I mean, both teams have great capability on both ends of the floor. Both of them can be very explosive. We've seen Tatum and Brown go off for big numbers. We've seen Steph Curry go off for 21 points uh, in a quarter in game one. Both these teams have that flurry ability, if you will. But again, for me, for Golden State to win this series, you're going to need more from Klay Thompson. Their role players have showed up well. Uh, Even Nemanja Bjelica, in limited minutes, I thought was a difference maker last night in game two. For Boston, Robert Williams has to be big. I think Peyton Pritchard, who played so well in game uh, one in the fourth quarter, he needs to be there. This needs to be an all-hands-on-deck. I I don't think that Brown and Tatum solely can win this series uh, for the Boston Celtics. I just don't see it happening that way. It'll be interesting as the series shifts to Boston for Game 3 on Wednesday. Because of television, the game is not going to tip in Boston until 9 o'clock. So I I feel sorry for for all the fans in Boston. We lived through some 9 o'clock tips in the Western Conference semifinals uh, and and one in the first round against Minnesota. Those are not a lot of fun. Uh, So it's actually going to be more on the really an advantage almost on the body clock for Golden State than it would be for Boston. Um, We'll see how all that plays out. But again, that's game three. That's coming up on Wednesday night. Hopefully Mike Breen will be back as he has been in COVID protocols. Shout out to a former friend of the program, Mark Jones, who uh, I think has done a a really good job filling in uh, for Mike Breen. Big shoes to fill, obviously, but I think that he has handled it very, very well. Mark Jones, in addition to doing games on ABC ESPN, is the local TV voice of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, He's he's been around the NBA for uh, a significant number of years. Good guy, good announcer, and uh, was thrilled to see him have the opportunity. Let's now talk about the Draymond Green situation. And and this is something that when you look at social media, and because my social media, a lot of the people that I follow might be Memphis-based. Obviously, there are not a lot of Draymond Green fans uh, in my Twitter feed. 
So Draymond Green picks up an early technical in this game, then gets into a shoving match with Robert Williams. Uh, it is precipitated by the fact that Draymond Green is contesting a Grant Williams three, lands in um, Williams' landing space, three-shot foul, clearly a foul. They both go down to the floor. Um, Draymond Green ends up with his feet on the back of Robert Williams. There's a little pushing, little shoving, nothing overly aggressive. Quick tug of the shorts by Draymond Green. Players are separated. The play is reviewed by crew chief Zach Zarba. Uh, he was joined by Josh Tibb and Tony Brothers in calling the game last night as the referees. They look at it. They say, uh, we're not going to issue any penalties at all. So now the question comes up because the common thought is, okay, you see that little pushing and shoving, regular season game in January, double text, everybody go and walk away from this. That was not the case here. So ABC brings in Steve Javi, former final levels official, uh, as, as their officiating consultant, and they ask him, do you think about when issuing a penalty, which again, in this case, could have been a double technical foul, it would have been the second on Draymond Green, he would have been ejected. Do you as a referee adjudicate that play differently because you know that Draymond Green has already a technical foul? And Steve Javi said, absolutely. This is good officiating. You don't issue a second technical foul. It wasn't serious enough. Um, that really, I think, raised a lot of eyebrows around the league because, and even Stu Jackson who used to work in a league office, former general manager of the Grizzlies, said, are we talking officiating art? All right, which is understanding that one of the star players has a tech and I don't want to give him a second tech, or is it officiating as science, which is both these guys deserve techs. It just so happens to be Draymond Green's second tech, so he's out of the game. Situational officiating is something that I know a lot of people are very sensitive about, and, and rightly so. There is the perception on the part of a number of fans that superstars get more calls. The The numbers behind it is they're superstars. The ball is in their hands more often than not. They are more likely to get to the free throw line. It just kind of works out that way. But again, I, I think it was really troubling to hear Steve Jabby say, yes, I know that Draymond Green has a technical foul, so I'm going to look at this play differently because I don't want to give him a second and eject him from this game unless I really, really have to. Again, it's important to remember, Steve Javi does not speak for the NBA. Steve Javi is a consultant who is a former referee. and I, He shows up in, in the replay center, but he's not an NBA employee. And so it would have been, I think, instructive to have heard from Monty McCutcheon or somebody on the NBA officiating staff. But again, that comment by Steve Javi raised everybody's hackles because like, well, wait a second, are you treating Draymond Green differently? Shouldn't that not have been a technical foul on both players just because it was Draymond's second? Well, oh, he's out of the game. And so now you're, you're, you're kind of, it just, it really, really becomes a very slippery slope. Now, having said all that, when you look at the little pushing and shoving, did it really rise to the level of a technical foul? Probably not. But just the way that Steve Javi handled that particular situation, 
I know a lot of people in the NBA going like, oh, superstar call, superstar call. You don't want to get Draymond Green thrown out of the game. So you're, you're going to protect him. Um, it, it, just, it just didn't ring right. And I know that it troubled a lot of people the way that that was handled. Um, again, if I'm looking at it, maybe, it, maybe it, you know, and, and forgetting that Draymond has another technical, maybe you look at it and say, uh, maybe, 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 maybe it's technicals, both offsetting technicals both ways. Um, it certainly wasn't serious. Now, if there was more pushing and shoving, I could see then, okay, now you this really raises it to a level where you absolutely have to discipline somebody. I will say this, just by watching on TV and what I've seen in person, Draymond Green gets away with more stuff than any player in the NBA. And there was another play in which he engaged in another player. It might have been, it might have been Robert Williams, I think, again. He basically tackled him, and Williams gets called for the foul. Uh, Draymond Green does a lot of things that are very irritating to opposing fans, endear him to Warriors fans. And I think he has to be one of the hardest players in the NBA to officiate right now because he has so many different tricks. Also, all the commentary uh, that he directs at officials, I, I, I personally, and again, I don't know exactly what he's saying. I don't know if he's cursing, if he's just complaining. But I think Draymond Green gets an awful lot of rope uh, for, for his commentary with officials. That's just me looking at it. I don't, I'm not hearing the exact words. I don't know exactly what he's saying. But you can issue a technical file for continuous complaining. That, that is in the rule book. So, uh, again, it, it was just something that really, I think, raised a lot of eyebrows last night when it happened uh, in the first half of that game. So, uh, again, I, I'm not sure that it should have been offsetting technicals. Uh, but again, the fact that Steve Jabby said, well, the re because Draymond Green has already won technical, I'm going to officiate this situation a little differently. That, that, just, that just did not ring right to me. And I, I, honestly, I didn't like it. Uh, the big news, other big news away from the NBA Finals coming over the wires uh, yesterday was Quinn Snyder stepping away as head coach of the Utah Jazz. Uh, this is something that had been talked about for a period of time. I think Quinn Snyder did a remarkable job rebuilding that Utah team into a perennial playoff team, but they've not gotten to a conference finals. Uh, they were the top seed in the West last year, and uh, and and you know after beating the Grizzlies, flamed out. I, I'm getting the sense, just you know, reading some of the reports and being an observer of the NBA with maybe a little bit more access than the average fan. I think this is a situation where. There probably is some philosophical differences. Uh, you'll remember late in the season, Quinn Snyder used a pregame press conference to talk about, yes, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell really get along, and, and Donovan passes to Rudy all the time. And, and he, he was trying to make a case that these two guys together are going to be an effective tandem. When you watch them play, I'm not always convinced that that's the case. I don't know if it's a personality issue. Uh, I don't know if it is a X's and O's issue. Not sure exactly what it is, but I'm getting the sense that somewhere along the line, because Quinn Snyder has had multiple conversations with the Utah front jazz, uh, Utah jazz front office, that somewhere there's got to be a disconnect here that they don't have the same vision for how this roster is to be constructed and how this team is supposed to play. It's the only reason that I can see Quinn Snyder stepping away, that there is a philosophical disconnect between himself and the front office. If it were health, he would say, I'm doing this for my health, uh, or I want to spend more time with my family. It's just, I'm stepping away. 
Quinn Snyder will be a very hot coaching prospect. And of course, uh, there were rumors at one point that he might have been a candidate for the Open Lakers job. Uh, he, you know, if, 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 he, if he really, really wanted it, he would have had to step away a whole lot quicker because, of course, Darvin Ham now has been hired by the Los Angeles Lakers. I think Quinn Snyder is an excellent coach, uh, very good coach at, at, at the G League level and now at the Utah Jazz. Um, he will find a landing spot. If there is a team uh, that is looking for a head coach, you could certainly do worse than Quinn Snyder. I would imagine that Quinn will step away uh, for a year, although the Charlotte job is still open, and that would be a possibility as James Borrego uh, was let go. So we'll see how all that plays out. So, again, what happened in Utah, on the surface level, it seems shocking as the second winningest coach in franchise history. Uh, to step away from a, a good situation, a, a tr- ardent fan base, multiple all-stars on your team, but yet not the level of postseason success uh, that they want or expect in Salt Lake City. So uh, Quinn Snyder, like I said, he is going to uh, he's going to find a landing spot and he will be a successful coach with another franchise. Just don't know which franchise that will be and when that will happen. All right, we're going to get to Andy Schiffman, our friend of the program from Priority Sports. He's an agent with them based in Chicago. And uh, as we get to the NBA draft later this month, right now, players uh, are going around the country. They are doing workouts for various teams. And um, Andy Schiffman knows all about the process. Most casual fans don't know all about the process. And uh, Andy's a good friend. Uh, personal friend and friend of the program. So we'll talk about uh, the agency business, how he got involved in it, which which is really an intriguing story if you haven't heard it before. So we'll get into that. Um, this was a very, very long conversation. Andy's an agent. I'm not saying he's long-winded, but he's a great conversationalist. I'll just put it that way. So we're going to actually break this up. So we'll uh, we'll do part one today and then part two in the uh, as we get up closer to the NBA draft. So that's Andy Schiffman, our friend of the program, coming up in a bit. But first, we tell you that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You ready for uh, that big trophy to be lifted in the NBA Finals? Well, join the NBA Finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook because they're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you are a new customer, well, you can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Now, if you're looking to turn another small bet into a big payday, big, B-I-G, all capital letters, big payday during the NBA Finals, well, now with DraftKings same game parlay, you can do exactly that. Now, just by way of example, this season, a customer placed a $5 same game parlay and won over $5,000. That is what you call excellent ROI, return on investment. Now, you create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And just like that, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and you will get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. In Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In Arizona, it's 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org chat. 
In Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text to HOPE-NY. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. In Tennessee, call or text to Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Or in Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. You must be 21 or older, 18 or older in the state of Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. There is a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And now, back to the show. As I mentioned earlier, Andy Schiffman is a player agent for Priority Sports in Chicago, Mark Bartlestein's agency. And uh, Andy is a, a Memphis guy who took a rather interesting route to becoming a player agent. Has great insight into the process, dealing with uh, players and families and teams and general managers and, and all that. Intriguing conversation with Andy Schiffman, our friend of the program. Andy, uh, just in full disclosure for everybody who is listening to the podcast, we are recording this on Friday, the day after game one. And this show will drop on Monday, by which game, by which time game two will have been played. What were your thoughts about game one and, and what Boston was able to do in that fourth quarter against Golden State? Well, it was very remarkable, Pete. And I went into the game last night. I thought Golden State was going to win game one. I thought Boston was going to take game two on Sunday. And I thought they were probably going to win the series in six games. But I've been saying for the last three months, Boston, you need to watch out for Boston. And really, after, after the trade deadline, they took off. They are elite defensively. And it's cliche, defense wins championships, and you've seen that. And now you're on the road in a pretty tough environment in Golden State where you've got the best shooter in the universe you're playing against on his home court, and you still shut him down after being down 12, I think it was, going into the fourth with a guy that's around almost around my age, if I'm not mistaken, Al Horford, it's pretty incredible. It wasn't just all Jason Tatum doing this. It was Jalen Brown. Peyton Pritchard hit a big three at one point. I remember Marcus Smart. So I think Boston is poised to win this thing. I think it could be done in five. Now, Priority Sports, we represent Steve Kerr, so I'm pulling for Steve. So I'm not going to sit there and say that they're just going to get swept by Boston. But as an objective basketball fan – and kind of someone that's watched a lot of Boston and, and believes in them, I, I think they could pull this thing off. Well, I, I think a lot of people, and, and I went on this podcast, and, and I said Warriors in seven, and I said basically that's a coin flip because both of these teams are very good defensively, and any team that has Steph Curry, you know they're going to be dangerous offensively. Right. And I mean, what do you had, 21 points in the first quarter yeah. Yeah. Of, of game one, and, and still right. they ended up ended up losing the game. Andy, you've, you've been on the show before, and I, I for those people who have not – been introduced to you okay you're you're an agent for priority sports and we had this conversation before but for people who don't want to dig into the archives give us your path because being a sports agent was was not on your menu when you were when you were younger how did how did how in the immortal words of the of uh you know the talking ends how did you get here (laughs) i ask i still ask myself that sometimes well you said it i never really grew up wanting to be an agent and i've been now with priority for over 10 years and all the time, students, 
people who want to get into this business, the first thing they say is, I've been wanting to be an agent since I was 15, since I was 10. That's never been me. I didn't really want to be an agent until I started interviewing with Priority Sports 11 plus years ago. So I grew up a sports fan. The Grizzlies moved to Memphis when I was a junior in high school from Vancouver. And my senior year, it was like before my senior year, I was at every single game. I always loved basketball. I played growing up. And then I went off to college at Indiana, came back and interned with the Grizzlies and community relations. And it was at that point when I realized sports and professional sports is a passion of mine. And I could see that I could make a career out of this, specifically more on the basketball operations side. Because at that time when Jerry West was running the show in Memphis and they had uh, the late Tony Baroni Sr., Tony Baroni Jr., great group of guys in the front office, uh, Hubie Brown was the coach. I just matriculated to that side as much as I could during the internship and helped the basketball ops staff out a lot and realized that this is, this is phenomenal. This is what I want to do with my life. So went off to Indiana and chose sport management as my major, was a basketball manager at IU for one season, uh, came back, well, actually after Indiana, interned with the Knicks in summer of 2006 up in New York in their basketball operations department when Isaiah Thomas was the president of the team. Phenomenal experience. Uh, that's what a lot of people don't realize. You have to be willing to pay your dues and bite the bullet financially, so to say. I didn't get paid anything with the Grizzlies. I got $25 a day when I was interning with the Knicks, which is about enough to buy you a hot dog there. Um, well, luckily and, and fortunately, I have phenomenal parents that supported me through all this. So then after New York, I went to Marquette Law School in Milwaukee. They have a second-to-none sports law program there that I took full advantage of. My third year in law school, I got uh, started working with the Milwaukee Bucks and in their basketball operations department, doing a lot of statistical analysis, draft preparation. And I absolutely, I absolutely uh, loved it and was hoping to stay on with the Bucks. Uh, but just, you know, they kind of created a position for me and it really wasn't anything like I applied. So my law school career ended. And then I went back home to Memphis, paid my way out to Vegas for summer league in 2009, just to network and meet as many people as I could. I did that. I talked to tons of people. Uh, Tom Penn, who was at the time, the assistant general manager of the Grizzlies introduced to me tons of people. I, I got to know Lionel Holland at that time. He just finished up with Milwaukee actually that season. So he was introduced to me to people. Chris Wallace introduced me to people and tried to just talk to as many people as I could. And it paid off because eventually through a contact that I met and spoke with at Summer League, Mark Warkentine, who used to run the Denver Nuggets, he put me in touch with Jack Murphy, who was the new associate head coach with the University of Memphis Tigers basketball team under Josh Passner. It was right when Calipari left the Tigers. Passner was taken over. So I never thought of working in college basketball. I never really wanted to. But I also came back to Memphis after Summer League and realized I have no options in basketball. Now is not a time to be too picky. So I talked with Coach Murphy a couple times, started helping out in the video room. Over time, that position evolved. I was there full time. Didn't get paid anything the first year. Lived at home with my parents. Second year, I got a nominal amount. I was more involved with the coaching staff and the players and lots more scouting and video work and travel with the team and we actually won Conference USA that, that year in uh, El Paso, beating UTEP on their home court, which was pretty special. So got to cut down the nets, which was 
pretty unique for me growing up in Memphis and rooting for this team and now being in that position with them. This was the year they had uh, Tark Black, who's a client of mine now, Joe Jackson, Chris Crawford, Will Barton. So it was pretty fun. I went to the NCAA tournament, lost to Arizona by two in the first round when Arizona had Derek Williams and came back to Memphis after those two years. Then I really tried to realize, okay, I need to go make some money. So I, I started interviewing with teams and Coach Passner was very supportive and encouraging in, the, in that aspect and was very great in terms of helping me. I interviewed, this is the summer of 2011. I was studying for the bar exam, same time, interviewed for a video coordinator position with the University of Miami. And I was told I was the front runner for that job for two weeks before they gave it to someone else that they worked with at a prior staff with George Mason. An internship with the Spurs, and I was one of the finalists, but didn't get that. Uh, an administrative assistant position with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Was one of the finalists, didn't get that. And the final position I was interviewing for was a video coordinator position with the Toronto Raptors. And one of your colleagues, I'm sure you're close enough with him, Matt Devlin, who used to hold your title in Memphis years ago, he and I became really close. And then from Memphis, he went to Charlotte and then Charlotte to Toronto, where he is now. And I bring his name up because I got to know him for a long time with the Grizzlies. Never wanted to work in TV. I definitely have a face for radio, not TV. And the right, I think it was maybe when I was home from Memphis, my third year of law school and one of the breaks, the Raptors were actually in town. So I was talking to Matt and he said, hey, I want to put you in touch with our assistant GM with the Raptors. His name is Mark Eversley. He's, he's an up and coming GM, eventually eventual GM in this business. He's great. And I, knowing what you want to do, I think he'd be great for you to meet. So I said, that's, that's excellent. I'll do that. So I talked with Mark at the time, stayed in touch with him. Uh, he actually reached out to me, Mark did when I was studying for the bar exam that summer and asked me to send me his, send him my resume for this video coordinator position. This is all long and too much detail. I know, but it's getting somewhere. So after the bar exam, I still hadn't heard anything from Toronto. This was during the NBA lockout uh, about 11 years ago now. And Mark, I told uh, Mark Eversley, I'll be up in Toronto visiting some family. I have some cousins there. I'd love to stop by to say hello. So he said, yeah, come on by. Brian Colangelo, who was the president at the time, he and I'll be here. So I went to Toronto with visiting cousins of mine and stopped by their offices. This was right after I think they drafted Jonas Valanciunas. So they were sitting around very casual, watching film on him, laid back. I come in there in a suit, really all kind of amped up to go. And uh, we just talked for about an hour and a half, two hours. And what I learned in that interaction was that I was not going to be the next video coordinator with the Toronto Raptors. But again, first impressions matter. So I went back to Memphis, uh, started in a small, working in a small law firm downtown in Memphis with two great uh, attorneys that kind of did me a favor and hired me and brought me on. Uh, learned that I had then passed the bar so I could actually start practicing law. And about two to three weeks into that practice, I got a call from Mark Eversley, who was with the Raptors, and he said, Hey, Mark Bartlestein, the CEO of Priority Sports and Entertainment in Chicago, just called us looking for a recommendation for a right-hand man, and, and Brian and I recommended you. So at that point, I said, hmm, I don't know anything about that side of the business, except that it's very dirty. And the quote-unquote successful agents and agencies do things that I don't really want to do in terms of cutting corners, uh, taking the back door on certain things, paying players, cheating. Uh, that doesn't appeal to me at all. 
But over time and talking to many MBA people I got to know, including Mark Eversley and Brian Colangelo, I realized if there is any agency I was ever going to work with, Priority Sports is the place because they do do things differently. And eventually you hear that enough, you start to believe it and realize it. And it's funny. So I knew Brian Cardinal, former Grizzly, the custodian. Absolutely. Well. <laughs> former we, Purdue Boilermaker. Absolutely. We, we shared a mutual love of Dave Matthews band. And uh, we got to know each other pretty well. And so that fall, I actually asked Brian, he's represented by Priority Sports, and I asked Brian what he thought about that. He overwhelmingly positive and said, look, Mark, Mark and the crew at Priority, they're the absolute best. Uh, they, don't, they don't take shortcuts. And, and that shows in the players they represent and how they do things. So I was more encouraged. I had multiple conversations with Mark. They flew me up here for an interview. I got more and more excited about it. So I had three interviews with Priority over a seven-month period because things were moving slowly during the lockout and accepted the job in March of 2012, so just over 10 years now. And I was pretty unsure of what I was getting into, not really knowing much about the business other than those negative characteristics I pointed out earlier, but I love it. And obviously, I think that speaks to my tenure here, having been here for so long. I love the city of Chicago. I love the players I work with. And it absolutely rings true. Priority does do things differently because the, we have walked away from so many high-level players, guys who would be top five, who were top five draft picks, uh, NBA veterans that are all-stars, because those players just don't fit what we stand for as an organization. They don't fit our beliefs and our value system and our culture. And one thing that I really love is I've been able to travel the world for my job to represent players, visit with teams, and wherever I go, and whenever I get the opportunity to say priority sports, all of these teams and players and coaches around the world just speak so highly of who we are as an organization. And it has nothing to do with the players we represent. Obviously, that's part of it in terms of us being successful, but it's all about how we conduct ourselves and how we do business and how we communicate. And that's very it's something very special to me and really everyone I work with that that is our reputation and that I'm associated with that. So very long story, very long story drawn out. I apologize, but that's how I ended up here. So that's the story of how Andy Schiffman went from Memphis to Chicago and priority sports with a lot of twists and turns in between. In part two of our conversation, we will get down to the nitty gritty of what being an agent is all about. Uh, We just came off of the NBA Combine. 112 players who had originally declared from the draft withdrew their names. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the sometimes hard and honest conversations you have to have with players regarding their draft status and where they may fall in the draft. All that fascinating conversation with Andy, we will have that in a future edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Again, I'll be away from the microphone for about a week or so. By the time I get back, we'll be much deeper into the NBA Finals. We'll get you ready for the NBA Draft with this conversation with Andy Schiffman, part two of our Friend of the Program segment. That does it for episode 47 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Uh, Big ups and appreciation to Hoop City Basketball Club for their continued support. Again, they're doing the uh, first to eighth grade placement uh, on June 9th. Go to HoopCityBC.com for more information. And, of course, as always, our big thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind and the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pratica. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>